Hello and welcome to HCI's Regulation and Quality and Safety of Care podcast. My name is Rosemary Pollard. I'm the Marketing Executive at HCI and I'm joined today by Regina Connell, Director of Quality and Safety at HCI and Serena Horkin, Senior Practice Development Specialist at HCI. So both Regina and Serena have and continue to provide quality and safety support to nursing homes during the COVID-19 pandemic. In our podcast today, we will be discussing some of the main challenges for nursing homes during the last 12 months, the key quality and safety measures needed, and what learnings we can take going forward to support resident safety. So we know nursing homes were one of the worst affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Serena, could you start by providing us with an understanding of what nursing homes were facing during the first wave back in early March, April, and what were the key areas of concern? Hi, Rosemary, and thank you. I guess looking back and reflecting back in March and April, um, fear and anxiety really was the the underlying main concern. We didn't know an awful lot about this disease and uh, residents, relatives and staff were, were very frightened about it. Um, I guess other challenges was the the staffing levels from a clinical governance perspective as well, and trying to get ex- expert, um, you know, allied health professionals into the nursing home because of lockdowns. There was a lack um, and significant shortage of PPE, personal protective equipment, um, you know, the training and challenges around um, getting staff trained up on donning and doffing correctly. The layout of some of the centres um, caused a, a problem with regard to social um, social distancing and also cohorting of residents. The communication with residents and family members around the restrictions as well was a real challenge and a lack of knowledge or understanding for the existing standards that were in place of the National Standards for Infection Prevention and Control in Community Settings. And there was also a lot of um, documentation and recommendations coming from public health and they kept evolving so it was difficult and challenging to keep up to date with those and from a you know from a well-being perspective and uh, you know access to healthcare a lot of the residents and indeed their family members were afraid for the residents to go into hospital where they required an admission due to the fears around COVID-19 in a hospital environment. Okay, um, and so given the concerns you've discussed there around PPE, staffing and training and infection control, what do you think um, were the key quality measures that needed to be implemented from the outset? Well, I guess looking back on it, um, it's very important for an organisation to have strategic objectives. So identifying who, what, where and when for everything that we're agreeing to monitor. The document control process for the implementation of guidelines was very, very important to make sure that we were up to date with the most recent version of the guideline and to make sure our policies and procedures reflected those. Um, Our staff training and gathering of key performance indicators and supervision and evaluating the training on the floor, watching and auditing for hand washing purposes, the social distancing, the disinfecting of surfaces and adequate supply um, and challenges around that. The cohorting of residents, which I previously mentioned there for those that were suspected COVID or COVID positive, and indeed the challenges around testing and contact tracing and the timelines of response and ensuring there was a chronology of events. So when we look back at the learnings later on, we have a clear documentation to trace back from. And certainly the timelines for contact tracing were very challenging and trying to make sure that we followed up on those tests where appropriate. 
Okay, so there's a lot of quality measures there to consider, Serena. Um, when COVID hit, how did having a quality management system in place help? Well, under theme five, governance and leadership, it would have um, enabled the nursing home to have a, a sort of a baseline of their quality system and they would have known how to implement things. So, for example, um, IPC practices, infection prevention and control practices would have already been embedded into everyday practices and oversight. A good auditing structure would have previously been in place, a risk management system, assessments and collection of previously agreed key performance indicators to provide assurances to the registered provider that um, the operation was working well. An established communication for both internally, so that would be the residents and their relatives and external, which would have been the likes of oversight such as HICWA, the Health Surveillance Protection Agency, the Health and Safety Authority, and structured roles and responsibilities of indeed who would carry out that and who would implement that reporting. A clear understanding of the preparedness plans as well and a full set of policies and procedures to manage an outbreak of any sorts and indeed COVID-19. A record management system in place, which I previously mentioned, such as our evidence-based policy and procedures and where to go to and source that information. Providing updates frequently um, and identifying who would be responsible for implementing those um, updates. Linked, of course, to our risk management system is our incident management framework and importantly, our complaints management framework. And we can see now that the amount of provider assurance reports that have come out from the COVID-19 and management of complaints has been uh, very much a hot topic. The communication structure, as I previously mentioned, internal and external, supervision of staff and staff training, so having an adequate supervision uh, system and appraisal system in place, and contingency planning uh, designed within the governance structure for designated roles where the person in charge became ill or any member of management. Um, and your internal and external communication strategy with allied health professionals as well to ensure that the well-being of residents and referrals still um, still took place even though it was COVID-19. Okay and HICWA often associates good governance with better outcomes for residents. Regina could you tell us why governance is crucial to effective management of services during COVID-19 and provide some practical advice for nursing homes? Yes, as you said, effective governance um, is crucial in the delivery and oversight of high quality um, and care of services to residents. I guess in moving forward, it is now uh, paramount that IPC is central to each nursing home's service provision and their governance structure. So in terms of incorporating IPC um, in the governance model and some areas that uh, for consideration is IPC responsibilities at the senior level. So again, allocation of overall accountability, responsibility and authority for infection prevention and control and antimicrobial stewardship within the facility. Need to look at the senior management team structure to make sure it reflects an appropriately resourced infection prevention and control team and reflected within this then your organisational chart which illustrates the IPC team, a detailed terms of reference for the infection prevention and control team and a structured agenda for that team also. 
We need to look at IPC and have a strategic focus. So again, making sure that all infection prevention and control requirements are incorporated within the strategic and operational planning activities. IPC responsibilities incorporated into the senior management team terms of reference and agenda like we spoke about. IPC appropriately detailed within the safety statement a key uh, set of data measures, so your key performance indicators for IPC and antimicrobial stewardship within the organisation and the development resource and monitoring of an effective infection prevention and control programme. In terms of resourcing when incorporating IPC um, in the governance model, consideration with regard to your IPC and control lead and identification of that person and making sure that appropriate training is provided to your infection prevention and control lead and to all staff in order to support effective infection prevention and control application within the service. Okay, um, thanks Regina, some great advice there. So COVID-19 can be a really difficult and isolating time for residents. Consequently, it's important for nursing homes to try and achieve an appropriate balance between quality of life and resident safety. This, of course, can be challenging. Serena, could you provide some guidance on some of the measures you've implemented which safely support good quality of life for residents and also offer safe family, social, resident interaction? Yes, of course, Rosemary. I think the most important thing is to be empathetic um, to the situation of both for both the residents and also their family members. Um, the guidelines have always stated that there should be compassionate grounds and of course we need to remain within those guidelines um, through the different frameworks. Um, to enhance social and resident interaction, there was a lot of focus on social media and um, using the likes of WhatsApp, um, you know, FaceTime to uh, support residents to still have some form of contact with their loved ones. As the visiting uh, restrictions eased, a risk assessment approach would have been taken with regard to visiting to ensure that the residents were remain safe in the centre. Window visits where appropriate were facilitated, provided it didn't upset the resident too much. So again, an individualised approach was taken to ensure that uh, there was a balance of resident well-being um, and it didn't upset the resident too much. The other sort of, of activities that we facilitated was individual assessments of the residents' preferences and to organise activity boxes, for example, where residents were um, undergoing isolation because of an admission or due to a COVID outbreak. So we would have ascertained, for example, their religious or cultural values, um, music therapy, you know, smart TVs and um, enabling YouTube, for example, on them. Uh, sensory lighting then for those that may have required that sort of intervention. Um, telephone access for every resident, iPads for the residents as well. And organised activities and what I mean by that is to ensure that each resident regardless of their restrictions or isolation still had appropriate contact with staff measures uh, safely using PP that was appropriate to the situation. Okay, thanks, Serena. There's definitely important to get an appropriate balance for residents. So nursing home communication with families is also an important consideration, but at times can be challenging. Regina, would you have some advice to nursing homes on how to manage communications effectively? Yes, no problem, Rosemary. Um, I guess communication was a significant challenge when you think back to, to last March, April, um, in, in terms of dealing with the pandemic, but also trying to keep 
uh, residents, staff and their family members up to date. Good communication really is essential for all residents, their families and staff during preparation and the prevention stage um, where an outbreak occurs. Um, one possible suggestion is the development of a communication plan and making sure that this is as established as soon as possible. Some areas to consider when developing a communication plan, you, you know, you should consider um, including timeframes to identify when communication and messages should be provided. The clear communication lines uh, should be identified to allow rapid communication to staff, residents, family, visitors and the public. Consider drafting of key messages or scripts for the different groups. So looking at your different um, groups, as we said, so your residents, families, visitors and making sure that you have them uh, ready to go. They should be checked for consistency, I guess, by the management team. So making sure that the director of nursing or the registered provider has approved these uh, before they they are released. In moving forward as well, and, and, and possibly through the completion of a look back review for each facility, um, it may be considered to involve all key stakeholders with regard to communications um, and how it was handled at this time and what you would do differently should a, an area of concern arise again, where we would have to ensure we'd have a clear lines of communication with families and their loved ones. Okay, thanks, Regina. So we're currently in our third wave of COVID-19 and nursing homes now have um, a much better understanding of what is required of them. Serena, can you tell us what um, you think are some of the key quality and safety learnings we can take from the COVID-19 pandemic experience to build more robust quality and safety management systems in nursing homes? Of course. COVID-19 is very much the focus at the moment um, and there is a focus solely on COVID-19. I guess the risk is that there will be, when COVID passes, um, a lost focus of infection prevention and control practices as a whole. So that would be the main concern um, and that we would move then from a more proactive approach with infection prevention and control to a reactive approach, which is where we were really with COVID-19. So again, to re-emphasise, we don't want to lose that emphasis we have at the moment and we can see a lot of the positive things that have happened with, you know, really, you know, a non-existent flu um, epidemic this year. Um, it's very important um, to look back on the learnings from COVID-19 and to look at the experience of residents as well and what learning we could have from them. A completion of a gap analysis against the national standards that I mentioned earlier for infection prevention and control that were in place from 2018 is paramount. Having an, a robust audit schedule, so your audits uh, mapped out for each of the regulations um, for an annual basis, and obviously to make infection prevention and control a continued part of your audit schedule. Agreeing the infection prevention and control key quality indicators or better known as the vital signs for the for the organisation in the nursing home to provide assurances really for all stakeholders, not just the registered provider. So that would include residents, relatives and staff as well. And I briefly mentioned to get the feedback from the residents for the learning, but expanding that out to both all stakeholders, the residents, the relatives and the staff to obtain their feedback and their perspective of COVID-19. Okay. And finally, um, how do you think practices within nursing homes might change following COVID-19? 
Um, just in, in line with, with Serena there, I, I think there will be a continued and needs to be a continued emphasis on embedding um, IPC practices and monitoring IPC practices within your organisation and the incorporation of infection prevention and control in that governance model um, that you have, like we spoke about earlier. As Serena mentioned, there will be a requirement to really have a focus and emphasis on the national standards for infection prevention and control and determining the levels of compliance within your individual service in relation to those standards. Um, and in line with that, um, it would be envisioned that infection prevention and control would definitely be a thematic focus uh, as we move forward. So again, in line with everything that Serena has said this morning, just really making sure that IPC uh, continues to be a, a, a big focus within each organisation. Yes, um, we're, we're very excited um, with regard to visiting now um, for residents and indeed their relatives as well. Um, visiting will change in residential settings to ensure the safety of residents. Um, so certainly what we've seen previously was a designated visit area and a risk um, assessment approach to all visits to ensure that the residents um, in the nursing home remain safe. And I guess the new guidelines must be adhered to in each residential setting, which were released on the 11th um, of March. Um, and updating your policy and procedure with the updated guidelines guidelines is very important as well. Okay, very good. Regina, Serena, thank you very much for providing that interesting overview of the challenges and learnings for nursing homes during the last 12 months um, with COVID-19. If anyone would like any further information, please contact HCI. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Rosemary. Thank you.